0: Look at this, Shireen Williams, been with us at PFT for five years, now inducted on Saturday night into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Her good friend and former colleague at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence E. Hill Jr., presenting her, our buddy John McClain, one of the eight that were inducted on Saturday night. And It's so funny, and Shireen was reminiscing about this over the weekend, and we were sharing some text messages last night. She got laid off five years ago by the Fort Worth star telegram. And I remember thinking, this is just horrible. This is awful. What are they thinking? What are they doing? She's great. She's awesome. And then like it flipped instantly. Oh crap. I'm going to go hire her. And, and, and it was, it's just been, it's just been great. And she said, and I have the receipts to prove it. People may not believe it. She said that getting laid off was the best thing that ever happened to her professionally because it brought her to pft now of course she she gets a paycheck so i would expect her to say that but still still i think she coincidentally believes it and she's been a great member of the family and just one of the legends in the business and Texas sports hall of fame i mean this is texas yeah this is texas right
1: that's a pretty big deal it is right it's texas baby no question it's a big deal i mean football we know is like god down there it is a big deal and she's been like a mainstay for a long time so congratulations to her I mean, yeah, you really can't like get into football news in the state of Texas, even going back to when I was in college without like, how would you not know Shereen Williams? You got to be, you got to, your head's got to be under a rock, uh, in the, in the state of Texas, if you don't know who she is. So she's done a, a phenomenal job. And of course, like has to be a great human being for dealing with you and doing PFTPM with you Thank and you. all that stuff Thank too. You. So Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> she still finds creative ways to
0: razz me about the Hail Mary game from 1975 also. Oh, yeah. and yeah. Here's how she did it recently. I know we got to move on, but this was funny. Bud Grant, who turned 95 on Friday, Hall of Famer, took the Vikings to four Super Bowls in the 70s. He recently said he wants the NFL to find ways to make the game more exciting. And Shireen's reaction was, "Did he not watch the playoffs this year?" And then she said, "Oh well, it could have been more exciting. There could have been a game decided by a hail mary in the playoffs, which <laughs> is just another." She just loves to dig there that. It she grew there up, it God is. There it is. Blue forty-five. Bless
1: it. Go deep. I was thinking. God,
0: I was thinking that they are going to play it today. If they hadn't played it yet, they weren't going to play it. And there it is. Drew Pearson pushing off on Nate Wright. Paul Kraus way too late to help out. Paul Kraus deflecting his own responsibility and failure to get over to help break it up by pointing to Drew Pearson for the obvious... Interference. So, wait, so it's always was, good that we do it again in slow motion. Oh, that is. always it is does. really it helpful. Makes me feel it's better. Very it nice. Does. Man, yeah. Look at that bad
1: DB play right there. What are they yeah. doing? Yeah,
0: dive on yeah. the ground. Dive on the ground without being pushed from behind. The that's Vikings. the DB what technique. Is, what did Bud, Bud, Bud Grant, Grant was...
1: want to see? He wanted to see what more kick returns and punt returns is that? What he he wants. About? He
0: wants fewer touchbacks. He right. wants more kick returns. Right. He wants fewer kneel downs. Well, why? I mean, the kneel downs. That's where it's like the kneel downs are strategic. You're either trying to get into the half before a game gets worse, or you're trying to get a victory before it becomes Larry Zonka and Herm Edwards and Joe Pisarchik. So. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, but I'm all for making the game more exciting, and I'm sure Bud Grant is too because back in his day, back in my day, back in his day, back in my day of watching the Vikings in the old NFC Central, 14-13 was a barn burner. And if you threw for 200 passing yards, you you were you were lighting it up. So, yeah, the game uh, has gotten far more exciting than it used to be. More excitement in Cleveland. Jadavian Clowney, who quietly had nine sacks last year, just one half sack below his career high, Resigns with the team on Sunday after being available for a long time. Now, the early reports are it's a one-year, $11 million deal. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not saying I don't believe it. All I'm saying is I'll believe it when I see it. I got a feeling it's going to be like seven or eight with incentives on the back end. We know how that goes by now. The lie gets told. It makes it all the way around the globe. The truth comes out maybe after the second time the lie gets around the globe. But still, Browns being, bring back Clowney. When he's healthy, Chris, you've been singing his praises for years. Don't get caught up in the stats. The guy can be extremely disruptive, extremely effective, and he's back in Cleveland for at least one more season.
1: Yeah, no, it's that's big time. It is. I mean, he is. He's not the force he might have been like a few years ago, but he's still a damn good football player. He's big. He's physical as hell. But it's getting to that age there where, you know, I understand you don't wanting to throw a ton of money at him. We know there's a little bit of an injury history that you got to deal with there too, and then you know, okay, got to balance out age. You know, he's gonna miss a few games, all right. And then he's not exactly the sack artist that we talk about. So that's you know, I think probably what was going on throughout this time. But man, he's still a force of nature to be reckoned with on the other side of Miles Garrett. And then you know, they got you add Chase Vinovich to the the equation there too. I mean, you look at Cleveland again, and this is a team where, yeah, there's issues, and they got a quarterback issue, a little like we were talking about with the 49ers, but damn, the team is good, and damn, there's like not really a weak spot on the roster, and this certainly helps out the defensive line and gives them a marquee guy opposite him, Garrett. Meanwhile, as the calendar gets closer
0: to June 1, the NFL presumably gets closer to some sort of a decision about Deshaun Watson. Remember, new procedure. NFL will propose a punishment, if any. A disciplinary officer, former federal judge Sue L. Robinson, was a member of the U.S. District Court for the District of Delaware. She's the disciplinary officer who will take it from there, enter a decision, and then the commissioner has exclusive appeal rights and Ultimately, he's going to have final say, as he always tends to do, on what will happen with Deshaun Watson. His lawyer, Rusty Harden, told Mary-Kate Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer a couple of things, and I think they're all very significant. One, there are no settlement talks in the offing, which means 22 cases move forward. But two, he said they expect to hear from the league in June about whatever it is they're going to do, and then they figure everything out from there. So they're bracing, finally, for something from the NFL after all these months. They met with him for three days last week. He expects that the league is going to want to talk to him again, but he expects that they'll hear something in June. Now, June is just nine days away. I still believe, Chris, that this Friday is a day to watch because bad news dump, Memorial Day weekend, world slows down, and the NFL has the first step to make in this, which is what do we propose the punishment to be? I won't be surprised if maybe if the rest of us hear something, Rusty Harden may not hear anything until June, but the rest of us may hear something on Friday about what the NFL is thinking.
1: I wouldn't be surprised either. I I wouldn't. I mean, I'm a little surprised that, you know, again, that it's going to go forward with, you know, at settle without settlements and all that. I don't know. I mean, I just I, I, I bow to your expertise. Well, well, no settlement in the offing is no different than saying we have no intent to
0: trade Russell Wilson. Okay, it just means right. that that it's not going to happen right now, but yeah. it can happen at any time.
1: Eighteen of them were ready to go last year. Yeah. eighteen were ready right. to go, and Deshaun wanted to do all or none. Now, the only thing I'll, I'll say, Mike, like you know, again, I, and I think we hit this yet last week just a little bit because I, I mean, I hear you with like Friday. I certainly could see that being the news dump, hide it away for the weekend, but. I do feel like it's such a hot-button topic. Like, there's no avoiding this. There's no avoiding it at all. I don't care if you talk about it on Friday. We're coming back Tuesday to talk about it. We will be here after Memorial Day, along with all the other crazy, big mouth Stephen A. Smiths and Chris Sims of the world that are going to dissect it. So you're not going to avoid this, NFL. Uh, this is the one where I do question if maybe they do something different this time, because they're gonna make a, a point here and and it is gonna be a year suspension or something. And they're gonna like that this is out there and it shows that they, you know, are not letting anybody slide by with this kind of conduct or anything like that. I, I do wonder that. I and I'd like to hear what you think about that.
0: Well, I I I agree with the premise that there really is no place you can hide right? bad news anymore one. because the cycle never goes away and people have their phones everywhere. They'll have them all weekend long. But there still is value. Look at what they did last year. On Thursday, July 1, the 4th was on a Sunday. A lot of people had Friday the 2nd off. A lot of people had Monday the 5th off. What do they do Thursday afternoon of the 1st? They dropped the Daniel Snyder, Washington, Commander's news. And what happened was... Even though the news was the news, it never really got fully digested. It never got drilled down. It took until October for people to start recognizing there was a real problem with the lack of transparency. So there still is some value in dropping this thing at a time when we all aren't as active in assessing and analyzing. And maybe maybe part of it can fly under the radar. Now, with Deshaun Watson, I don't know how that would apply. But still, it's baked into the PR mindset. It's always better to try to find a spot where you're going to have a few days where the the world can go on. Maybe there'll be some big sporting event over the weekend, and and it does become less relevant by the time Tuesday rolls around. But I agree with you. It's still going to be a huge deal. And another data point that's going to emerge tomorrow night. HBO made this announcement on Friday. Real Sports with Brian Gumbel, Soledad O'Brien interviewing several of the women who have accused Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions, several of the 22 who have sued him, they won't identify who. They aren't saying how many, but we'll find out tomorrow night. And Rusty Harden said "He's he's not optimistic about how it's going to go. And I assume – I asked HBO this question over the weekend. I don't yeah. think they answered me yet. I assume they reached out to Watson. If he would have wanted to give his side of it, he could have given his side of it. I mean, if they're going to complain that it's a one-sided presentation of the facts and you said no comment, well, of course it's one-sided at that point. Yeah. You said no comment. Right,
1: you I, want to sit I, down I and be, give an interview? You could have sat down and given an interview, too. Yeah, I, I would think so. You're right. I mean, I, I don't know. Real sports, Brian Gumble, they seem to usually be, like, about getting to the truth and being fair. I, I would think that if they've talked to these accusers, they reached out to Deshaun Watson, certainly. But, it, I mean, I was – when I saw that news last week, yeah, I'll be tuning into that tomorrow night. I will. I mean, come on. It's Deshaun Watson. It's still – this is a huge story. I still can't believe we are where we are with this whole thing and everything's gone down the way it has. I'm still in shock with the way Cleveland's handled it. The fact that they gave him the greatest contract ever and the fact that they screwed over Baker Mayfield and continue to screw him over. It's all like an unbelievable, fascinating, real life drama in the NFL. So yeah, I'll be watching tomorrow night too. I am. I, I I laugh and I also become very dismayed by the many Twitter
0: Matlocks out there who think they know how the legal system works and I saw the argument yesterday from someone that not anyone with a blue check but it's just it's just disheartening that so many people think they know so much about things that they obviously know nothing about people spouting off the idea that that he sh- he sh- said she said versions of what happened don't count as evidence like they automatically cancel each other out so if one says Something happened and the other says, no, there's no evidence that anything happened. That's just not how it works. That is not how it works. It's never been how it works. Both versions are evidence. The question is, which of the evidence is more persuasive? Maybe they do cancel each other out. But maybe, just maybe, through the process of questioning the witnesses, drawing out the stories, making the arguments, a jury looks and says, I believe her more than I believe him. Yeah. I believe him. More than I believe her. You know, that's one of the realities of doing these massage therapy sessions in a room with no witnesses. You're at the mercy of whatever the massage therapist is going to potentially claim later. And that massage therapist is at the mercy of whatever the the customer is going to claim later. If there's no third party, if there's no one else present, if there's no other way to prove what happened, all the evidence you're going to have is he, he said, she said. Yeah. But, but it's, it's still evidence. And that's why I say it's going to be so difficult. For Deshaun Watson to win 22 different cases, so you got 22 different juries, you got 22 different occasions where you have to hope that that jury unanimously agrees with you as opposed to unanimously agreeing with the person who's making the accusations. It is a coin flip at that point, and it's like flipping a coin and having it go your way 22 straight times. If he truly is going to go forward with these cases, the idea of winning all 22 of them, I'm not saying it's impossible. But it's a hell of a lot
1: harder than people realize. Yeah, yeah I would think so. And then what, what, Mike too, it's like, didn't he? He made some comments, Rusty Harding, right, about the Trevor Bauer suspension this weekend, right? Like uh, th- that. I thought that was kind of interesting that he addressed it. Certainly, well, he was asked about it. He was yeah, asked about right. it. Right. So, and and his response. Hey, I Now, I think he should have just
0: dismissed it altogether. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. I'm not even talking about that. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, he, go, go read the – I, I would have said go read the reports about what Trevor Bauer allegedly did. It is apples and oranges. It is two different universes. It has nothing to do with us whatsoever. Instead, he tried to wade into this idea of it has no logical connection and there's no – well, yeah, it does have a logical connection. Well, first of all, logic doesn't matter. What matters is PR. And the logical connection is Major League Baseball has imposed a two-year suspension on Trevor Bauer for sexual misconduct. And the people, the fans, the media knows that. They have stretched the rubber band to two years. Yeah. So in assessing what's right for Deshaun Watson, now we have a data point from another sport, but a high-profile report that everybody knows about, two years, yes, It has a logical connection because to the extent this is all driven by PR, you're going to have a different reaction. Six or eight games has a different vibe now when you know that baseball threw a two-year book at Trevor Bauer. Six or eight games feels like a
1: slap on the wrist in comparison to two years. That's where the connection is. Yes, no doubt. All sports fans, everybody is looking at that going, wait, sexual misconduct, like you said. Oh, wait, we have another guy with the same thing going on in the other sport wow this sport really drew like a concrete line and said screw you you're you're suspended for two years i don't know yes it it just yeah there is some parallels there Uh, of course there is and i think yeah that that suspension has certainly you know made us maybe focus on deshaun watson's length of his uh possible suspension even more so uh, i I hear you there i'm gonna be interested to where it goes but it does sound like at least we're getting to the end of this, finally, to where we're going to hear something in the next two to three weeks uh, to ha- let the Browns have a clue, we'll have a clue, and we'll see where it all goes.
0: And, and here's the reality, and I'm not going to get into the Trevor Bauer allegations. They're very graphic. They're very disturbing. They're out there if you want to go find them. But the similarity is this. Consent and whether and to what extent someone exceeds The consent expressed or implied in the activities. There was a certain amount of consent regarding physical contact that was implied. It was necessary as part of a massage. Right. The question is whether and to what extent Deshaun Watson exceeded that consent. And you got 22 different people, 22, 22, who say he did. Not one or two, 22 say he did. That, I, I just... I I feel like his camp has stubbornly stuck with this idea that just because he says he didn't do it, it makes it okay as to 22. That I mean, it's 22. At some point, do you, objectively, you look at it and say, 20, 22? What is he doing that is causing 22 people to think he went too far? So again, logic doesn't matter. Law doesn't matter. What matters is getting the number just right so the PR expectations are satisfied. And remember this, last point, and then we got to take a break. But Chris, I'll let you say something if you want to. Ray Rice, 2014, what happened? The league didn't go far enough. What happened? It almost brought down the commissioner. And since then, I feel like he's been determined if he's going to be accused of anything. Yeah, right. It's I went too far. Right. Not I didn't go far enough. Agreed. I'm never going to find myself in a situation again where I'm accused of not going far enough because it almost cost me my job in 2014. So I'm not going to do that again. Very, that's where that's logic. You want logic, Rusty Harden? That's logic.
1: Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, I, I got nothing else to say. But yeah, I hear you all the way there. And you're right. It has seemed that way. Ever since Ray Rice said, it's like, when in doubt, let's go a little more severe than not so we don't have to hear it from the public that we're letting off our players too easily. Ezekiel Elliott,
0: never arrested, yeah, never charged, never even sued six games for domestic violence. That was the harshest because- of all. At, and 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 he had a former girlfriend who was motivated to cooperate with the NFL. Well, these folks have cooperated with the NFL. And again, we'll see what the NFL decides. But But remember, remember, it is a PR exercise. The entire personal conduct policy is premised on PR, getting people to not be upset with the league for doing nothing when these kinds of allegations are made against players and others in the NFL. Let's take a break. The Sims top 40 quarterback countdown continues when... This Monday edition of PFT Live resumes right after this. Few endorsements a coach can provide a quarterback or more ringing than the one that Dan Campbell provided to Jared Goff in April. I I don't think we need an elite quarterback to win. That's, that's, my goodness. I mean, come on. What's Jared Goff supposed to do in response to that? you're right coach yeah yeah you don't need an elite quarterback to win and lucky for you you don't have one here he is at number 30 jared goff the quarterback of the rams in super bowl 53 could have been the super bowl winner if he'd seen brandon cooks he's got that you can just tell by that picture that is a perfect throwing motion that guarantees he's on his way to the top 10 chris (laughs) i'm sorry you're fine. But that you've pointed that out yes, to me. Right. You, you, we've, we've sent photos like that around of him with that ball all over the place. Yes, the big arm old getting too up. long.
1: Right, too what, wind t- up.
0: What is, what is, hey, NFL level, Chris, you explain it. You were the quarterback. Yeah. You
1: have a big old wind up like that right. that takes extra time to get rid of the football. What does it do to your ability to be a great quarterback? Well, one thing is it's a telltale sign, right? It's a slow release. So you're giving DBs and linemen the ability to read things, right? That's the first thing. Just to go, oh, the DB, whoa, here comes the windup. Whoa, Jared Goff, it takes a little another half a second. Now, ooh, wait, I might intercept this. Ooh, I might knock it down. You know, same thing with the the, the defensive line, too. And then with also that long windup, sometimes those windows to throw in between there are only there for a second. So if your windup's long, oh, wait, it's not there by the time you get it out. Instead of like Mahomes or Allen where they're just like, zoom, and it goes right through there in a hurry. So that's where it is an issue, let alone just like anything mechanics-wise, right, Mike? Golf, forehand and tennis, shooting a basketball basketball when there's too many moving parts it's usually too hard to be consistently good at that and there's a long wind up which means too many moving parts golf does some good things he does he is big he's a pretty he's a pretty good athlete for being as big as he is and he will stand in there like you see right here in the pocket and take hits down the foot down the you know in the chest and throw the ball down the field he's battle tested he understands how to read defenses. You can see there, good quick decision to beat your Vikings for their first one of the year. That's right. Suck it, Minnesota. You lost to Jared Goff. But here's here's the other issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not being able to, like you talked about, get it out quickly, just flick it. No, no different arm angles. Not exactly great when the pocket's weird and he can't get his feet totally into it. Not exactly great when the pocket is great and he should be able to get his feet totally into it. He's not the best in the pocket altogether as far as moving around for as much as he's played, or sometimes you just go, hey, you're a good athlete, run, move, get out of here. But you know, again, this is a guy that's played the game, he can run the offense, and if you have a good team and play a certain way, like we saw with the Rams, and I think this is where the Lions are going because they're not going to make it all about quarterback, you can win football games. But the second you're ask Jared Goff to do a little too much physically as you know as I know that's when it becomes an issue. He's not going to make jaw-dropping throws. You know, there's certain limitations of plays you got to have in the offense because you know, yeah, he's not going to thread the needle 25 yards down the middle of the field with a rifle. Like guys in the back, if we don't mind, can we go back to that first pack, right? The first throw against the the Cardinals, the touchdown. Watch the ball come out of his hands here, Mike. Watch the ball. There's a lot of Jared Goff throws right here. Look at this. Hey, it's on point, but you see how wobbly that is right there. There's a lot of that where the ball hangs in the air. It's a little uncatchable. Or the DB, just like there, just missed it, has a chance to knock the ball down. So, you know, those are some of the flaws, but there certainly is some good that Jared Goff can bring to your team as well.
0: The other thing about that little hitch at the top of his release, it gives the defensive end one extra chance to knock the ball No doubt. No, over right, that too, a
1: hundred percent. Yeah. yeah so, so we've seen the- fumbles are an issue with a guy with smaller hands, right? Remember the green Bay game last year, it was a little cold and rainy early in the year. He had a few throws where the ball just fell out of his hands. And we've seen that a few times throughout his career, long motion, not great in the elements, not great in the cold so far. So yeah, those are some of the issues he has. Certainly. That's why it's easy to take for granted
0: a guy like Patrick Mahomes who has mastered that ability where, you never know when the ball's coming out because right. of the different arm angles, because of the quick release, because if it, it's just gone. It's just gone. And you don't have that extra second, half second to anticipate whether you're lunging to knock the ball out if you're a lineman or if you're making your break on the ball if you're a defensive back. It's just a huge skill if you have it. it and is. it's a detriment if you've got that big old wind up. So he comes in at number 30 at I mean, there was a lot of talk about whether or not they would look for another quarterback, and maybe they're going to wait until next year for that. And you can go a lot of different ways. You can go find a veteran. I still am trying to speak Baker Mayfield to the Lions into existence. Until it's until it's done, it's not done. Um, but uh, I,
1: I I feel like this is Jared Goff's last year as a quarterback of the Lions. I think he's going to have to do a hell of a lot to stick around. I, I would agree. I would agree, too. Yes, his, his level of play will have to improve. Again, let's not forget. He was benched for John Walford with the Rams before he left there. They wanted to start. They started him in a playoff game over Jared Goff. And then in the next game, when Walford was still hurt, they still kind of wanted to start him and gave him every bit like the chance to maybe be the starter that week and still went with Goff. So McVay had had enough. Yes, the, the Lions have him, but I'm with you. Yes, this is a huge year. It's 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 going to be. He's got to play. They got to win some games. We know that. But he's got to show that they can't. They're not playing a game and managing the game around him because of his inefficiencies. And I think that's what we got. Me and you are getting to here. He's got to show he can make some plays. Actually, where hey, we're not playing good today, and the guy made some damn good throws to help us win the game and got us over the hump. You know, two or three times this year. And that's, I think, going to – it's going to take a few of those type of efforts, I think, for him to save his job as a starting quarterback in the NFL.
0: The other reality, too, is that he was brought to the Lions as part of the package that gave Detroit two first-round picks and a third-round pick in the swap of quarterbacks, and they took on the gigantic contract. That's where one of the first-round picks came from. It was a Brock Osweiler type of a transaction. It just wasn't obvious because it was caught up in the whole Matthew Stafford transaction, which is one of the reasons why I think the Rams did it with the Lions. So it wouldn't be obvious to Stan Kroenke or Kevin Demoff how badly the Rams had screwed up the contract to Jared Goff. But after next year, when the guaranteed money ends, that money is not something that Goff has earned, and that's another reason why I to suspect that the Lions— Will consider their options and potentially move on. Yeah. Will the Dolphins move on after this year from their starting quarterback? I don't know. He starts the year at number twenty-nine. We'll see where he finishes. But there he is, two-and-on activate. Hey, twenty-nine, twenty-nine's not bad.
1: Twenty-nine's not thirty-nine. No. Right, Chris? No, it's not. It's not. It's ten spots above that. And listen, he was he was close to being in the range of 28 and 27 and you know we'll get to that tomorrow when we talk about it but it was close here it was you know first off look, let's talk about Tua you know Tua first off I say the things that – the positives there are he's got charisma we know that he is slick in the pocket You know he understands how to play quarterback. He was taught well at Alabama, and he was taught pretty well in in in, uh, Miami. You could see here. This is what I love about Tua. Yes, good timing, rhythm thrower. But wait him pop in the pocket, move around, and he can get the ball out of his hand pretty quickly. He is a good athlete. There's no question about that, and can shown the ability to do different arm angles, fade routes. He's very nice at these. He's got great touch. He does a good job of throwing guys down the field, or even throwing back shoulders to give him a chance. But this is one of the things he's really good at. Uh, he's, he's a boxer that's got a lot of different you know, foot angles and can hop around and then throw some different punches from different angles here too. Hey, this is impressive. It's the one thing when I broke him down again as I was doing this list, I went, damn, the one thing, he is slick. You know, He can deal the ball like a point guard like we talked about. But the issues are the game-changing plays. The This is uh, small in the pocket. Just, oh, wait, the pocket's collapsing. Let me chuck it and duck it and throw a 40-mile-per-hour fastball down the middle of the field. That's not acceptable. Same here. Hey, guys, oh, guys kind of open. Well, no, not for you. That window's too tight for you. You can't throw that in there. You don't have a laser. Hey, even here. Six yard head route. You see the ball, it stays in the air for a while. That was not Deion Sanders. That was a backup corner for the Jets that made that interception. So those are like the good and the bad. You gotta manage that if you're the Dolphins, and you hope he grows in some of those areas as far as power throws, game difference making type of throws that you know certainly are are a question mark right now into his career. I say this is someone who is left handed. You are left handed.
0: Is it harder to evaluate a left-handed quarterback because it look, just looks, it looks so
1: different than what we're used to? It is weird. It's, it's becoming more weird just because there's so few of them. You know, I think once you've like – you know, we didn't think it was weird, I think, when we had Steve Young all the time because at least it was on our like, you know, Steve Young. There were some other guys, Boomer Esiason, Kenny Stabler just before that. There was a few – Scott Mitchell. But now there's just like only one guy, and that's where it's like it, – it is odd when you watch him. It is, um, but uh, they're, they're adjusted, and that's going to be an adjustment for Mike McDaniels, having to call plays and certain things to the left-handed quarterback, certainly. Definitely an
0: adjustment for the receivers, too, because it spins the it exact does.
1: opposite way as the right-handed football
0: does, but it's good, it's good. He's at 29. That should Now, now Tua expects him to be in the top 10, if not the top <laughs> five, if not the top three, and we'll, we'll see, we'll see. This is his chance. No excuses, because they have done everything they can to put the talent yeah, around them. Let's right. go ahead and uh, and take a break because Chris was off Friday and we didn't get a chance to talk about the big story from college football that does have shockwaves that goes into the NFL and it involves a couple of former NFL head coaches as well. The college football brouhaha over the name, image, and likeness rules. We'll discuss that a little bit next here on PFT Live.
2: I mean, we were second in recruiting last year, a and was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player, All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen it's ridiculous but when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past. Have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh... Oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call. Not going to. We're done. And uh, he shows you who he is. And then I just wanted He's to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted. When to... You got all the advantages. Uh-huh. It's easy. You can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat. and I don't lie. So I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Is it going to be that. awkward? And awkward about what? When you. Have to face it or have to. I don't mind conversation. <clears throat> Live with it my whole life. Kind of like it myself. Like we said, never has been parity. Certain people never follow the rules anyway. Four days later,
0: that is as powerful as it was. We didn't get a chance to hear from Chris about it though, because on Friday he was in the hammock with the pina colada in one hand. Left hand, there's probably something smoking on the end down there it's that we can see. Big fatty. Peter King and I spent a full hour talking about it on Friday, and I don't have much more to add to it. I'm just curious about your thoughts on it because, to me, it was seismic. And in West Virginia, as a West Virginian, with Nick Saban, who grew up 20 minutes away, Jimbo Fisher from the town that's connected to the town we live in, he's from Clarksburg, and, and, and Saban, again, from just up the road. And it's Hatfield and McCoy stuff, guys who worked together at one point this explosion that happened last week, all driven by the fact that we are in the Wild West days of name, image, and likeness. And, you know, people had still been saying up until last week, this is Nick firing a warning shot at college football. It is not a warning shot. It is an SOS. He knows he is not going to be able to compete. I think that's where all of this comes from, and it's coming to fruition in, for example, Texas A&M, as he said, buying its entire recruiting class and emerging with a better class of recruits,
1: than Nick Saban could. I, I, I think it's a little bit of all of it. I do think he cares about college football. I think too also, yeah, he might be worried about his advantages. Yeah, Texas A&M, if anybody knows anything about college football, man, they got a lot of oil cash there. So that maybe scares him to a degree. But uh, when it comes to this argument, I'm on Team Saban with this one. I am. First off, all Saban just said was they paid for all their players with a name, image, and likeness deals. He didn't accuse them of cheating or doing anything dirty or anything. You know, Jimbo crossed the line and went personal on Nick Saban. So that that to me is the first thing wrong. All right. And then he wants to talk about, Jimbo wants to talk about, oh, it's been uneven. It's been uneven because Nick Saban's great. That, that's why it's been uneven. Alabama wasn't good, and he got there, and they went great. Now, is he a Boy Scout? So, certainly not. I'm sure Alabama hasn't been the perfect. Nobody is in college football. And I think Saban's probably the least of the crew, the crew. let alone, I mean, Alabama, all the players they are have there, all the good players they have there, all the stand-up kids that come out of that school, almost nobody ever in trouble once they get to the NFL. I mean, it's limited. So to me, I'm more on the Saban side here. Saban just said they paid, and I think he said it one because he's worried about college football, and two probably because he's worried about his own burst boosters. And he's going, "Hey, uh, uh, Alabama boosters, I've given this school 97 zillion dollars since I've been here. Can we throw some cash up here? You know that that's what I think it's also about too. But you know, as far as the arguments concerned, first off, I think Jimbo went below the belt, and um, he's not Nick Saban. And I think Saban's kind of doing both a little. He's doing a few things there with those comments. Well, Saban said the Texas
0: A&M bought their players, and that's not how it works. The name, image, and likeness money comes from a different pool altogether. The school isn't allowed to coordinate the booster money to funnel to the players. And what Saban said brought it all together and implied, if not expressly accused, the program of buying the players, sure. the program still can't buy the players. And he got into it with Deion Sanders, the Jackson State head coach, right. too. He had some comments about an NIL deal, overstated the value, apparently. And and Saban backtracked. Saban said, I, I shouldn't have singled them out. And I was making more of an observation about the fact that this money's there and it's unchecked. And one thing Saban and Fisher agree upon, Chris, is that there needs to be some sort of, national legislation. Congress needs to get involved to put some guardrails on what can be done. But I said this Friday, why would Congress want to in any way impede the ability of people to give money to other people? What is American about that? Well, we don't like the idea that this guy wants to give money to that guy. We don't want that to happen. Well, People give money to people all the time. You choose to do what you want to do with your money. I don't think the federal government is going to create some system that freezes out and limits the ability of people, whether it's oil money or coal money or whatever money. Yeah. To give it to these players is an inducement to get them to go to a given school. I just don't think Congress is going to get in the middle of that. This is something the NCAA is going to have to figure well, out. hundred percent,
1: the NCAA's got to figure it out. I mean, they're crazy. Of course, all the boosters are involved in this. What are you talking about? Some of these name, image, and likeness things. You go, where's the name, image, and likeness? I don't. The guy, they're not doing anything with him. What? What? What is? What is there? What is? What are we paying for? Oh, that's right. They just paid for him to come to school here because it was just a way to hide around that. So that that's where I think Nick Saban was making the point and um, and taking a shot, you know, at A&M as well. But I think it's it's everybody. I think that's the the thing you hear if you read or follow this at all, you know, that's going to be the dirty part of it. Yes, the boosters from these schools are going to get together and come together with some NIL package for these players, whether it's legitimate or not, and they're going to frame it that way. And that's where the NCAA is going to have to figure out some bylaws or how they want to approach this, if, even if they do. But you can't. But you can't. Know, Any right? rules
0: that you put on it become antitrust violations. Yeah, right. For years, the schools hid behind the NCAA, which created uniform rules that apply to all of these different businesses that were hiding behind these rules. And they've been exposed as antitrust violations. There's no easy way out of this. But it is one hell of a grift and I don't want big college coming after me, okay? I don't. I, I got enough issues without the university system taking me on. However, I will say this. I am very impressed by the entire grift. I've commented in the past on the retail price of a college education and all the scholarships they start giving you. Hey, you get the, I know my own name scholarship. Congratulations. You get the Oh, you're at least 16 years old scholarship. Congratulations. You get the can walk in a straight line scholarship. Congratulations. You know, like they give out, they they have this huge price. They chop it down. There's all these games that are played. There's still a lot of money that flows into the system. And on top of it, Chris, the whole concept of the booster. Think about that for a second. We talked about this on Friday. I want to get your take on it, though. What NFL teams, what professional sports organizations – have this group of fans who are so over the top, they're just throwing money at the players. They're just, here, here's a million dollars for nothing. Here's, you know, like, there's, there's not a compulsion by rich people to help professional football teams, but there's this over-the-top desire by plenty of people, sea to shining sea, to fork over big money to help tip the scales in some way, to help their favorite college football yeah. team win games. And it is weird. When you think about it, it is weird that that it happens. Because well, what are you really getting out of it as a booster? What are you really getting? It's, and why aren't you yeah.
1: boosting other programs, too, that you care about? Well, because most of them, it's it's they're, they're boosting the program that they're indebted to, that they went to school at, that they have a real you know, like affection for and, and their their heart and soul is with the culture of that. That's what's cool about college football. That's where there's a following. I mean, the pros, yeah. You know, again, the players are making money. College, it's kids. And I think the other play that plays into this, Mike, and we, we you, you hit on this a lot, it's, it's semi, for lack of a better way for me to figure out how to say this right now, oligarchish. It's just on a smaller level. It's it's guys, it's a bunch of rich guys at a school who they can't own a professional team and they're never gonna, but this kind of feels like they're part of an owner of a professional team. Hey, I got this guy here, who, the coach sends me all this gear, and I get to go to practices when I want, and I'm at Stand the... Stand on the sideline during the exactly game. Exactly right. Get on TV. So that's where I think there's the other aspect of that to the to the college level.
0: It, it is amazing when you think of it that way, and... and I, I can't help but wonder whether or not the NFL looks at this and say, gee, is there a way we can get some fans sufficiently inspired to give us and our players a bunch of money for nothing, a little circumvention of the salary cap? It really is amazing, though, that it never comes up in the NFL, but it's so ingrained in the way college sports are. And, and I, I went down that path the other day, Chris, because I said, look, the, the solution is unionize all the players. Then you can have set rules. Then you can have a salary cap. Then you just make it basically professional football in a different environment. Once that happens, maybe that's when the boosters start saying, why do you need us? Why do you need us? You've got your system. You're basically NFL junior. Why do you need us? But, but it's, a good, it's a good point. It's an opportunity for the fat cats to be big shots and feel like they are in some way helping the cause and getting access and getting gear and getting you know getting to do all sorts of stuff with their money. No that, doubt. You know, how much how much other crap can you buy? So you go out and you try to you try to make a difference that way. Anyway, it's it's not going away for college football. It's not going away. There's no easy solution and expect more chaos, not less as time goes by. Let's take a break. Speaking of chaos are Daniel Snyder's various chaotic issues in Washington finally lining up against him? A report from USA Today over the weekend suggests that maybe the NFL is finally moving forward doing something. We'll discuss that next here on the f2 Very intriguing article dropping on Saturday night from USA Today. Jarrett Bell, quoting a couple of unnamed owners due to the sensitivity of the situation, requesting anonymity. One owner said that the. Group is counting votes toward a possible ouster of daniel snyder 24 is the magic number not an easy number to come up with because some of these owners are going to be concerned that whatever standard they apply to daniel snyder is going to be applied to them at some point in the future let's not make it too easy to force someone to go sell their business the other side of it too snyder's going to fight like hell and there could be an antitrust lawsuit where snyder says hey how dare these owners of businesses tell me i can't own my business anymore I've signed up for it because I have no choice, but this is wrong. This is improper. They can't force me to sell. So there could be a huge fight coming out of it, Chris. But the news is, and this echoes things that we've reported throughout the year, that Snyder may be testing the patience of his colleagues and they may be getting to the point where they're ready to do something. Apparently, they're getting there. And I think the key is not necessarily the financial impropriety stuff, although that's being investigated. The other key is the Tiffany Johnston allegations that Mary Jo White is investigating. If they can make anything
1: stick to him on either count, it could be it for Daniel Snyder. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand it. I'm, I mean, listen, honestly, I'm I'm kind of shocked. It's taken this long to kind of get to this point to where you hear those type of rumors or things that are out there. It, it's been a lot of, issues out of Washington, and I know Jerry Jones, like we talked about last week, like any press is good press or any news is good news. I don't know, not necessarily with what Washington's had. I mean, it, it's it's a look at dysfunction, and then I think like there's two things that I point out or at least look at, and I I think you probably have the same view here to where I just go, man, I, I mean, owners, we're in the club together, or whatever, this has got to piss them off, all right? Sorry, London. The, the first one is you know, if the rumors, again, allegedly, we don't know the stuff, but the, the Grunin emails, you know, where all that came from. I mean, that's just a bad look for the NFL. That set bad precedents, I think, for other owners, things like that as well. So that was kind of like, whoa, what are we doing there? And, you know, I, I think there is a faction, again, just throwing it out there as rumors that people think that maybe that those emails were released by Washington and Snyder and that, right? Right. And people, then people, believe. listen,
0: yes, listen, we, we don't, we don't, we don't want to step into a defamation lawsuit here. Let me just say this. A very small universe of people had access to the John Gruden emails. Yes. They came from the 650,000 documents that were deemed to be unrelated to the workplace misconduct issues that were being violated. Those 650,000 documents were being and still are being zealously protected by the NFL. Now, some of them may have gone to Congress. I don't know, because we still have no real transparency. However, there aren't many people that had them. Daniel Snyder, the Washington football team, they are within the universe of people who had access to them because they were on their servers. So it it it's not some big stretch. It's not some big shock if the truth would be that Snyder or someone in his direction gave those emails to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And that would be the ultimate irony, that it was over. It was done. There, there was no controversy there was no congressional investigation there was no uproar over lack of transparency it all came up because of what happened with gruden if they had just left gruden alone i'm not saying they should have but my point is when someone decided to weaponize those if it was snyder or someone attached to him that's what gave all this crap new life and kept it going from october through november december and into this year and if it and if it brings him down
1: he only has himself to blame. Please. Yeah, that and then the the if the so-called, you know, finagling of the books, you know, that we discussed, you know, over a month ago, as far as moving money around and, you know, not giving all the owners their appropriate share from a game by game basis and all that. I mean, that to me would be like the nail in the coffin there. Wait, wait, these are distraction. There's dysfunction there. We're having to answer questions about it. And what? He's screwing us out of money, too? Like, I would think if that ends up being true or they get some inkling that that was being done, then he is in in big trouble. The commanders have denied that. Mary Jo White is
0: investigating those allegations as well. Congress is looking into it. Attorneys general from various jurisdictions are as well. One last point, though, because there was a quote from Bell's article, and you can see the article. We have a link to it at PFT, and we have some of the quotes there. The idea, and we've made this argument, at some point there are too many controversies, regardless of what the truth is, regardless of who's right or wrong. That's right. At some point you've just got too much smoke that is billowing around everything that we're trying to do As a league, it's too much. We'll find somebody who isn't constantly (laughs) going to be dragged down by this accusation and that accusation. And fundamentally, look, you don't have a stream of accusations made against somebody who is doing everything the right way and everyone is happy and everyone feels like they're being treated properly. People don't just go out and gratuitously make accusations over and over and over and over again, all sorts of different people. There's a common thread to all of it, and that common thread may be May, may be eventually out as an NFL owner. We shall see. Let's take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Happy birthday, Aaron Donald. There he is doing Aaron Donald things in <laughs> Look Super at Bowl him. 56. What a 56 Look the big this. show. Get on, unbelievable! <laughs> hey, unreal. and this moment, that third and three? Yeah. Game saver. Right. Game saver right there. Uh, to keep it a 7 point game instead of an 11 point game making that sack he had three sacks in the third quarter and then obviously game on the line jamar chase wide open but no chance to even see him after Jalen ramsey fell down because down went joe burrow there's aaron donald give me my ring he's getting his ring he's 31 years old today and still one of the great players in the entire nfl so in honor of aaron donald and in order to fill the perfunctory draft segment on most days The best non-quarterbacks in the NFC West, Aaron Donald's division. Chris, I'll give you the first pick. Well,
1: I mean, you're right. This is like you said during the commercial break. Like, this is one where I don't know if the quarterbacks would have swayed things a whole lot, actually, in this division. You know, Stafford and Kyler Murray, I do. Now, let me ask you this. Aaron Donald, are we using him in the draft? I mean... Or I I don't want to even pick him. I mean, obviously, let's make, it, let's make it the Aaron Donald Memorial Draft, exactly in honor of his birthday. I mean, Aaron Donald Every- is na- no doubt. Okay, I'm with you. So right. he, we don't have to take him. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Debo Samuel to start it off. I am, yeah, right now in this this NFL 2022, Debo Samuel. I mean, what we saw him do, weapon. Yes, I'm I'm gonna take him. I mean, he's a game changer. Uh, again, one of the best receivers in football and hasn't had a quarterback that really is a game-changing quarterback. I mean, he catches the ball like five yards down the field and makes it a 25- and 30-yard gain every time. So that, when he does a running back, the short passes, and what he does after the catch, and then, of course, just playing pure receiver, he's as good as it gets for me. Well, I I agree with you
0: there. Uh, For my pick, though, I got to go with the guy who was the Super Bowl MVP, even though – we believe it should have been Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, with a great special season in, in 2021. He came close to setting the single season receiving record, receiving yardage record. Yes, there was an extra game. Always open, always making the catch. You take him for granted. He's so solid. He's yeah. so good. He's so consistent. He's yeah. easy to take for granted. And, and, and he's, he's making between 14 and $15 million a year. He's staying cranky. <laughs> Carve off some of that yacht maintenance budget to take care of Cooper Cup.
1: Yeah, it's he's he is. When I mean, Cup is got it all. He does. I mean, maybe not as physically raw talented as as uh, Debo Samuel, but man, it's not far off. You know. And then again, when you when you have a system of route running and stuff like that, he can really capitalize on all of that. But fast, way bigger than people realize, way faster than people realize, and like is a is into his craft. So I, I'm with you. He's definitely one of the the best players in the in the division. I'm going Nick Bosa, actually. I'm going to go Nick Bosa next. I am. Uh, Nick Bosa, I think, other than Aaron Donald, is the best defensive player in the division. And Nick Bosa, I think, is in the conversation for one of the best defensive players in all of football to begin with anyways. Uh, he was in that talk of defensive MVP, comeback player of the year last year. Uh, we've discussed it, I mean, a lot through the few the last two years. When he's healthy, I mean, he's an ass kicker. He is. You know where he is, and it's not just rushing the passer. He's a killer in the run game, too. And part of that, like Donald is with the Rams, where he sets their attitude up. Bosa's big like that. We saw that in the playoff game in Minnesota. He'd lying on the ground, and then he got up, and the whole stands went crazy, and he was like, I'm okay. You know, He's, he's got a special way about him, let alone a special skill set.
0: I'll stick with the receiver position. It's been the off season of the receivers. Everybody's getting paid. One guy hasn't gotten paid yet. Well, more than one. In fact, all three who have made it onto this list are yeah. still waiting to get their major paydays. DK Metcalf. Yeah. And and again, this is partially on potential and the hope that they will maybe use him differently than they have, get the ball in his hands, let him be Debo Samuel. I hope Copycat League starts copycatting what the 49ers do with Debo Samuel, because there's some guys that can really make the game exciting if you get the ball in their hands more. No DK doubt. Metcalf is one of them. And, you know, the guy that even though they're kind of in a rebuild, they don't want to part ways with DK Metcalf. They know he's too good to let go.
1: Yeah, right. I know. That was one where we had our eye on, right? We thought like, ooh, if they trade him away, this is a total rebuild. And what are they going to do there? But, yes, he, he's special. And receivers like we've seen, they, they can change the game. They can. It's a different age, and he's special. He really is. He's a freak of nature. We'll do round three after this, but we need to save a little time for some very important
0: news that we need to get to before the show is over. We'll wrap up the draft first, though, right after this on PFT Live. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Best non-quarterbacks in the NFC West besides Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, Memorial Draft. Happy 31st birthday,
1: AD. Here we go. Round three. Chris, who you got? All right. Well, here's one thing that's jumping out to me. The 49ers are clearly the best team in the NFC West. I mean, because again, George Kittle's on the board, maybe the best tight end in football. Trent Williams is on the board, maybe the best left tackle in football. Fred Warner's on the board, maybe the best middle linebacker in football. They're all from the 49ers. All right, so because he was such a good dude, I'm going to go with Kittle next. All right. Trent Williams, certainly, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about him, but I'm going to go with George Kittle as my next pick. I mean, you talked about the successful teams, the good teams. What do they got? Tight ends. He's a damn good one, and he's good at both things, running, run run game blocking and pass catching. So I'll go with George Kittle. Even though he didn't have his best game the last time we saw him in Super Bowl 56, I'll go
0: Jalen Ramsey. I think he'll be motivated to be even better yeah. in 2022 to atone for that. So that ends the draft, so we have some time to get the very important. The Houston Chronicle and you know different newspapers have paywalls uh the houston chronicle actually put this story behind a paywall though somebody told me later that it wasn't i think maybe they got shamed into not doing it they critiqued my grilling skills hey houston chronicle mind your own effing business all right i'll cook my steaks however I'm i want i know i know i know i brought this all on myself by putting the picture on twitter I don't care. I like the interaction. I like to stir it up. I did not post the photos of the steaks that I made this weekend, although they were awesome. As long as I'm happy, who cares? Who cares? I, I I'm, I'm happy. I'm with shocked.
1: Them. Yeah, I, I know you're right. It's you know I you know beauty in the eye of the beholder or, or beauty in the mouth of the taste buds. There, whatever. I don't I don't want to touch that. But I'm surprised you got a backlash from Houston. Like I'm Mr. Medium Well. And man, did I get made fun of every Texan whenever I would order something medium well? So I don't know if they've changed their thoughts down there or what, but I'm surprised by it.
0: Now, it's not that, it's they don't like how I made it. They don't like how I made it. That you cut it open? I don't know
1: what I'm doing. Because you let the juices out? I mean, that was an amateur move. I I agree.
0: I'm going to go cook a steak for breakfast. See ya.